Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Some years ago, church, Charles Schultz, right? He was the creator of Charlie Brown. He pictured Charlie Brown in a comic strip, if you will, bringing food out to his dog, Snoopy. And it was dinner on Thanksgiving Day. But it was just his usual dog food in the bowl. So Snoopy took one look at the dog, uh, at the dog food and said, This isn't fair. The rest of the world today is eating turkey with all the trimmings and all I get is dog food. Because I'm a dog, so all I get is dog food. He stood there and he stared at his dog food for just a moment. Then he said, quote, I guess it could be worse. I could be a turkey, unquote. Guys, listen, listen, a lot of us, if we're honest, we feel like Snoopy a lot of the times. Oh, we'll complain, life isn't fair. Are you kidding me? Life isn't fair. Everyone seems to be doing way better than I'm doing. And he goes on and we feel like, I can't believe I don't get what so-and-so got. You guys know the story, right? We start to complain about our circumstances. And it could be anything from the weather. Oh, it's too hot. It's too cold. It's too wet. It's too dry. I mean, we'll complain about every, well, I think I gained some weight. Oh, I think I lost some weight. Maybe nobody complains about losing weight. But, but here's the thing, guys. We, we start to complain about our circumstances and we forget to look at the circumstances with different set of eyes. You see, Snoopy eventually realized that it could actually be worse for him. For it was far worse for turkeys on Thanksgiving Day. At this point in our study, guys, if you recall, Nineveh heard what Jonah had said, and they repented. In the last verse of chapter 3, we see God's reaction to their action, okay? So there should always be a reaction to the action. And and then it says in chapter 3, verse 10, it says, Then God saw their works, and they, and that they had turned from their evil way and God relented, notice that word, from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them and he did not do it. That was the key. Now, here, here's what I'm thinking, church. Listen, we would think that rejoicing here would follow. That Jonah would be, are you serious? Right on, God, you're amazing. Let the party begin. <laughs> Nineveh is repent. This is what I was sent for. Now listen, I know it wasn't a message of love, but it was a message, and I'm telling you, let the party, here we go. Everybody get the beat going, uh-huh. That's what he should be going on. But Jonah, Jonah could be like, okay, I get to go back home. Let's go home, right? I went through Nineveh three days. I told him what was going to happen. Okay, it's time to go home to resume his life. All is well, but unfortunately, Jonah, our boy, begins a sad dialogue with God. Well, what did Jonah do, Ben? Well, he began to complain about what had just happened. 
You see, in his heart of hearts, Jonah really didn't want Nineveh to be saved. He didn't want them to repent. He didn't want God to relent from what he was about to do. Why? What was the message? 40 days and you're going to be killed. It's going to be wiped out. It's over with. Boom, done. That's, 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 that was the message. Well, I was thinking about this, and before we jump into our text for tonight, could we contemplate just a little bit the very action of complaining? Complaining. You see, it was Mark Twain who once said, don't complain or talk about your problems. Why? 80% of people don't care, and the other 20% will think you deserve them. See, the only problem is, I think it's human nature to complain. Right? It's just in us. Now, let's be honest. Some of us have a gift of complaining. I mean, they are the, I mean, you've heard that whole scenario, right? Do you see the glass half full or do you see the glass half empty, right? Are you an optimist or a pessimist? Well, you know, I think everything is a glass is half full. Look, I got half, half a glass full of water. And other people go, oh, look, it's already half empty. And we, and some of us have a gift to complain. We can take everything and we can make it yucky. You complain about everything. And, in, and, and like Snoopy, Snoopy comes out and he sees the dog food. And he thinks, what am I, a dog? That on Thanksgiving Day, everybody else is having great food. But, but, but see, Snoopy begins to see his life through a different set of glasses. And I think for the Christian is that I think you and I need to have and put on some times to, to look at life through what we would call Jesus-colored glasses, through grace-colored glasses. You see, for Snoopy, it could have been far worse. He could have been a turkey. And again, I think the problem is, guys, we, we feel like it's human nature to come. As a matter of fact, I read something on the internet this week that said a man made hundreds of thousands of dollars complaining. You said, how did he do that? He simply complained about everything to everyone, wrote letters, emails, and somehow was compensated for this. Don't ask me how that works in our world, but... He found a way. Well, Ben, why do we complain? Well, I think for some reason, guys, we formed an outcome in our mind. And when that doesn't play out, we begin to complain, don't we? Why? Well, Jonah said, man, 40 days and you're going to be, you guys are toast. And I'm going to wait all 40 days and watch it happen. See, in his mind, he said, there's no way this evil and wicked people it's no way the, I mean, think about it. Look, there's skulls everywhere. I mean, these guys are evil. They're wicked. They're, the, their, their stench is, is flowing up into the nostrils of God. I'm going to watch them. This is good. Why? Because finally, my enemies will be destroyed. All right. Front row seat. Let's do it. Well, all of a sudden, you guys know what happened. I mean, it was, it was nuts. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But, but, Isn't that the same thing for us when we complain? Where does complaining come from? We have, in our minds, formulated how this should go down, and we've we've pictured the very way it should go down, and guess what? When it doesn't, we feel like we should complain. Funny story today, uh, went to Market Street for lunch. They make this wonderful turkey chili on Wednesdays, and and we go have this turkey chili, and and uh, we're sitting there having lunch, and there's an older woman there 
who probably lives, if you will, at Market Street. I mean, she's there all the time. We see her every time we go at lunchtime. Well, apparently she went to buy some food and was writing a check. Now, you got to understand, not a lot of people write checks anymore. And she's writing a check, and I guess the clerk asks, asks her for her identification, her driver's license. Needless to say, she let the whole world know that she was not happy about having to show this clerk, this, this poor little girl, her driver's license. And she was relatively angry, and I can't believe how many, and I mean, and we're just like, okay, wow. Now, it's probably store policy that if somebody writes a check that you've got to get a license or a number. It's probably that's what she was trained to do. But, but you see, in her mind, she thought, I've been here enough. They know who I am. I've, I've written checks here before. And she begins to complain. And she begins to complain so that everyone hears. And I found it interesting because we're looking at Jonah tonight. And you go, what's he doing? Well, guys, he's complaining much the same way. He's complaining about God, about what just happened. So much so, guys, he complains that he said he would wish that he would have died. He would have been, I'm better off dead, Lord. Why didn't you just kill me? Now, remember how we've come to this point in our study. Our boy Jonah, if you haven't been with us, was a prophet in Israel. God called him to go to Nineveh. The place, Nineveh, the Ninevites, super wicked. You guys know that, super wicked and evil. They were Israel's enemies, and Jonah actually waited for Nineveh to be destroyed. I think Jonah was probably thinking ahead, like when Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, New Living Translation, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God, for the scripture says, I will take revenge and I will pay them back, says the Lord. I bet Jonah was thinking, God, just do what you're going to say. I mean, they're going to kill us. And yet, God is telling Jonah, you guys know the story, chapter 1, verse 2. It says, Jonah, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And of course, you know what that means for us, right? Because... Because our core value, guys, as a church, and here's where we want to learn the lesson, our core value is to what? Is to love people. Now, now, if we're going to shoot straight about this, it's easy to love people that are lovable. It really is. It's, it, you know, people who walk the same as you and talk the same as you and, and love Jesus like you do, it's really easy. You're like, hey, how are you? I love you. And you're just, and you're brothers and sisters, and that's how it should be, but but when it comes to the Ninevites, that's really hard to do. I mean, think about this. We're called and commanded by God to love people. And now your question would be, much like those in the Bible, who is my neighbor? What people am I supposed to love? Because I love my daughter, and I love my son-in-law, and I love my wife, and I love my family, and I love, I love all those around me, but, but who, who am I supposed to love? Well, who are the Ninevite people in our day and age? You guys ready? We are called to love the churched. You see, there's a group of people who have been churched all their lives, but have walked away from God because they see something false in the church. 
We have people standing up saying, I have a real relationship with God, and yet the actions of their life don't show anything, and they're confused. And so you got church people going, I'm not sure if I really dig the American church thing or not. We're called to love them. We're called to love the unchurched. Believe it or not, in Lubbock, Texas, there are people who know nothing or have known nothing about the Bible. You ask them about Noah, and they're like, hey, is that that dude that lives down the street? I don't know who's Noah, right? And you say, well, what about, um, um, maybe you know, David, David and Goliath? Oh, David, is that, is that a movie? Because if it's a movie, I like a movie, you know, and they don't know, and you're freaked out. Why? Because everybody should know David and Goliath. Why? Because we all grew up in Sunday school, and we've always read that lesson. Well, there it is, David, and, and the stones and so forth. Well, there's a lot of people who are in church. They don't know anything about that. They really don't. I know it's hard to believe, guys, but it is, and we're called to love the unchurched. And here's, here's where it gets good. You ready? If we're called to love people, we are called to love those that nobody wants. That's hard. Those that nobody wants. Those that society have written off. Those that the culture says, oh, stay away from them. They're smelly. They're stinky. They're yucky. They're gross. Stay away. They're people. They're Ninevites. They just don't know Jesus yet. Guys, some of the greatest pastors and evangelists and teachers and missionaries were people who were simply loved By a believer. You love me enough to, are you serious? Are you serious? Well, that's what we're commanded to do. The church, the unchurched, those nobody wants. Let me see if I can illustrate it a different way. And I was thinking about this. If you were to walk down a dark alley, what do you think you would find? You know, an alley where it's filled with brick walls on each side, and you'd walk down an alley where there's trash and junk and no light, and you'd probably, you would probably not walk down that alley for one thing. But if you had the guts to walk with a flashlight, what do you think you would find? Well, first of all, you would find probably find critters of all species in that dark alley, right? I mean, you might think it's a cat, but it could be a rat. You definitely know that there's spiders and bugs and ticks and, and junk, right? There's, there's just, that's what it is. Whenever you shine the light in the darkness, you're going to find yucky stuff. And, and, and what my heart is, is to prepare you that when we're loving people who are in darkness, guys, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. And if you go, oh, okay, well, I want to love people in the light because I want to see it. Listen, that's not what we're, I mean, the Ninevites were in total darkness. They were evil. They were wicked. And yet, Jonah, listen, you've got, you've got a job to do. And the Bible says you and I have a job to do too. And listen, there's going to be people. And God's going to give you opportunities, church, to love somebody where you're going, I don't want to love them. As a matter of fact, I want to punch them in the nose. Are you kidding me? I just, they're just bugging. Listen, our personalities go rub, 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 rub. And I want to hit, hit, hit. I don't want to love them. And God goes, no, no, no. Listen, listen, here's the deal. You're called to love people. 
You're called to, you're called to be, as a matter of fact, what did Jesus say? He said, we're supposed to love our enemies. We're supposed to do good to them that hate us. I don't want to do good to them that hate us. I want to hate them back. If I could trip them, I'll, that, no, 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 that's not what Jesus said. You see, Jesus said, put on, put on some grace-colored glasses, put on some compassion, put on some Jesus, and then how do you see them? Oh, oh. You mean the reason you're so unlovable is because all of your life people have hurt you and you've been abandoned and people treated you like a second-class citizen people you called family I didn't I didn't I didn't see that and and the reason you're so hard is because you're just trying to protect your heart from being loved, from being broken again. Wow, Lord, I'm sorry I didn't see that. Listen, I need to I need to love them. I need to do whatever I can. Listen, Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, he, he said like this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 27. You guys know this. And Jesus answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength, with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So we realize what Jesus is telling us is first and foremost, we're commanded to love God with everything. That should be the very first thing. We're commanded to love God with every fiber and every breath of our being. We're supposed to love God. But he also goes on to say, you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. And so the second thing is we're commanded to love people. And really, if you're loving God, can, can we talk straight in church? If we're loving God, that should be a natural byproduct, should it not? It should be a natural byproduct to, to simply listen, sometimes that not, that's not the case. If I were going to if I, if I were your enemy and I were going to trip you up in your walk with God, you know the first thing I would do? Is I would try to distort your relationship with God. That's the first thing. I would try to distort it in any way that God doesn't love you or He would, or He's got it out for you or you have to be super holy in order to appease this God. I, if I was your enemy, I would try to distort your relationship with God. That's the first thing. You go, well, Ben, that's not going to happen. You know what the second thing I would do if I was your enemy? I would try to distort your relationship with people, particularly marriages. You go, why? Because marriage is God's, I mean, just his beautiful picture of who he is with his church. Listen, if I, 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 this, I'm going to distort your relationship. Don't you think that's what the enemy wants to do? And so our core value is, guys, listen, don't let your relationship be distorted with God. Love God with every bit of you. That's what Jesus said. And he says, now the second thing is don't let, your en- don't, let, don't let the enemy distort your relationship with people because you're called to love people back. You're called to love all kinds of people. Now, listen, I get it, church. I get there are some people you need to love them far, far away by praying for them and, and crying out to God for them because if you get any close to them, they're really toxic and you find yourself being pulled into that. I get that. But God's going to lead you to people that you can love back to life. 
See, Jonah, well, he flees from God. His confession, I love God, right? But I don't love the Ninevites. I love God, but I don't love the Ninevites. Listen, church, our DNA and our core value is to love people. And sometimes when you begin the process of of loving people to life, or you begin the process of loving people back to life, listen, you ready? Jot this down. You will and can get hurt. As you begin to go, Lord, I'm going to do what you called me to do. I'm going to love people. I'm going to love them to life. I'm going to share the gospel. Or, or God has called you to love people back to life, right? They've walked away from God, and you're going to say, listen, Lord, I want to do everything I can. Listen, you can, and the probability is you will get hurt. You will get hurt. The very people you're trying to reach could actually turn on you and stab you and hurt you and wound you. So you do exactly what we see Jonah do. That's it, God. No more for me. Hey, I've called you to go. No, no, Lord, Lord, I love you, but, but people, mm-mm, mm-mm. And so we what? We, don't, we just don't respond to God's call anymore. The second thing, guys, is we, we complain about the result. Well, Lord, listen, listen. I, I, I did what you told me to do, God. I, and we start to complain. And look what they did. They started spreading gossip and rumors about me. And they stabbed me in the back. And, and listen, all I did is try to pour out my heart and my love to them. And all I did is I just felt like I got hurt. Guys, listen, listen. Later on, God tells Jonah, listen, is, is it right for you to be angry? Because that's what happens to us. When we love people, when we love people and they hurt us, we get angry. Are you kidding me? And, and I've got to ask the question, Jonah, who are you angry at? Who, who are you angry? What, what are you really angry about? I... was thinking about that lady at the at the market street and and I wonder who she really really angry about what's going on in her heart I mean it's not about a driver's license is it I'm like what, what what's going why are you so what what's going on true confession when I'm angry I have to ask the Lord, what am I really angry about? Because sometimes it's just external things that when you look at it, you just go, I'm not sure if that, what are you really angry about? And I have to search, God, what am I? Oh, it goes deeper than that. You know what I'm, you, you know when I get angry? It's when I don't have control of things. Anybody with me? Somebody? Okay, good. Because I, I felt like I was the only one up here. When you don't have a control of things, that's when you really kind of get angry and you complain a lot, right? So, so here's my question. Do you ever really have control of things? I wish I did. I don't. God is in control of all things. And you know where I find rest? When I say, God. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel... Do you ever, you ever feel like when you give God control, you're at rest and you're like, oh, I feel good. Why? God's got this. Well, here's what's going on. God's got this. And then 
You sneak over when nobody's watching, and then you try to get control back. Yeah? You know what I'm talking And then you're like, why, why, why are you so stressed out? Because I wish my kids would do what I tell them to do, and I wish my, you know, whatever it is that you're angry about and you can't control. And somebody says, hey, give it to God. Yeah, give it to God. Lord, you got this. And I mean, it's a, it's a vicious circle, isn't it? We go back and forth. Jonah, why are you so angry, dude? Why are you so angry? Well, because the Ninevites are just... But I can't help, church, to think of our Savior, the Lord. I can't think about how he... I can't help but think about how he loved people, how he loved people. And if you want to learn to love like Jesus, read the gospel. See how much he loved people. But I can't help but think about how many people turned and walked away from him. As a matter of fact, there's one scenario in John chapter 6, in verse 53 to 66, he says this. Let me, let me read it for you. You can just listen. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, he's telling his disciples, I, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And that's a hard saying. You're like, what did he just say? Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last days. Why, Lord? For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So he who feeds on me will live forever because of me, will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Everybody would go, oh yeah, manna. Not as your fathers ate the manna, because they ate that and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Right? Because you're thinking, and we have to eat Jesus? No, he's talking, he's talking spiritually. Okay? He's saying, as we walk and receive Christ, and we walk, we, we're not eating physical manna, which we ate and died like you're for. He says, this is spiritual. Oh, okay, I get it, Lord. But the words I speak are spirit. Notice what he says. And they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who were and who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said to him, therefore... I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by my Father. Now, John chapter 6, verse 66 says this. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. John chapter 6, verse 66, 666 is a sad verse. Why? It says, they heard the saying of Jesus and they said, We out! We're done. No more. And I think about this, right? How, how do you think Jesus felt? It broke his heart. He's sharing his love and his heart and his compassion. And he's sharing everything that's in him. And all that happens, right? All that happens right now is they go, Lord, we don't understand this. And he's like, oh. And they say, okay, we're going to go home. Thank you, Lord. And a lot of them broke his heart. He loved him. He was offering him eternal life. Guys, I think of Judas. I think of Judas, how this must have hurt. For three years, he was just loving on Judas. 
He didn't exclude him. Judas wasn't like the guy in the very end going, Jesus, he doesn't even love me. Can you believe this? Judas was one of the guys, and, and, and he loved him. Guys, you understand that? Have you ever had somebody, a friend that you really loved? And for some reason, and someday they turned on you, and they started accusing you of things, and all of a sudden, the, it just went weird. You felt betrayed. And, and, and you're sitting there in your life and you're trying to text them and go, what did I do? And, and they're coming up with all this toxic garbage and you're just like, I don't know what happened. Jesus knows exactly because, because, man, he had a, he had a BFF, guys. He loved Judas. And we tend to miss that. Why? Well, we tend to judge Judas. Judas was a creep, man. He was stealing money. Oh, like you had never stole anything. But Jesus says, I mean, think about this. He was betrayed with a kiss. Remember what I said on Sunday? If you're going to betray me, send me an email, send me a text, do whatever. But I mean, I mean, think about it. In Matthew's gospel, I mean, he writes this. Now his betrayer had given him a sign saying, whomever I kiss, that's the one, seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and he said, greetings, rabbi. And he kissed him. That's, that's like you having a, a good friend. Right? And you guys pal around and you're like, sup, hey, you guys know each other's lingo, you know what I'm talking about? But now all of a sudden your friend is just like, hello. I mean, very proper. It's like very disrespectful. Like, since when do you say hello? It's always, what's up or how's it going or, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about? That, that was very, I mean, it's just, and he kisses him. And Jesus said to him, notice, friend, why have you come? Jesus knew, but he calls him friend. He calls his friend, friend who was about to betray him, guys, if you're following Jesus here tonight and you've been hurt because you're sharing the gospel, because how you live, because you stand, because you love Jesus, okay? If you've been hurt, people have turned. Listen, you're in good company. If they hurt God in the flesh, I mean, really? I didn't say it's easy, and I didn't say it wasn't painful, but you're in good company. And I've did everything to try to love that person, and they just stabbed me in the back. That's exactly what they did to my Savior. We can even take it a step further. How many times was the gospel preached to you in which you rejected it before you actually came to Jesus. I was like, wow, there's a lot of people who heard the gospel. I heard it in, in seventh grade, heard it in ninth grade, heard it in tenth. Finally, the eyes of my heart opened up, and it was like, oh, Jesus, okay, okay. So guys, we're commanded to love people. Jonah runs the other way. God said, go. Jonah said, no. And God said, oh. And you guys know the story, right? Jonah runs from God, ends up in the storm of his life and in a whale of a mess. That's where he is, right? He finds himself inside a great fish, three days, three nights. Not sure what he was doing there, but probably praying. We know that for sure. He was praying up a storm. Well, in the process, God did what? He spoke to the fish. He said, so the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah into dry land. And of course, the fish obeys God. God spoke to the fish. He listened. 
And he says, my people, Nineveh, they need a second chance. And I'm just so grateful that God gives us second chances and third chances. And always remember this, guys. Always remember that if somebody you're praying for and somebody you're witnessing to and somebody you're loving is still breathing, there's always hope. Pastor, I don't see it. It's okay. Trust the Lord. Pastor, I don't know if that's going to happen. Trust the Lord. As long as they're breathing, there is hope. You see, Jonah was given a second chance to do what God had called him to do. He was also giving the Ninevites a second chance. So most likely, Jonah was vomited near the shore of Joppa, right back where he started from. And it says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Thank you for second chances. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach a message that I tell you, that I tell you. Well, we know the message now. What was the message? 40 days, you're done. You're toast. It's over. If you don't repent, going to wipe you out. That was his message. That was his message, right? So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put sackcloth on from the greatest to the least of them, and the word of the and the word of the came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself in sackcloth, sat in ashes, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by a decree of the king of his nobles, saying, Let neither man or beast nor flock taste anything. Let's proclaim a fast. Don't let them eat or drink water. This is serious. But let man and beast be covered in sackcloth in them and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way, from the violence that is in his hands. And who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we, we won't perish? That, that, was the, that was their reaction. That was their reaction. All of a sudden, they're going, hey, hey, we got to do something. And I love that the king gives us an example I love that the king sets an example. Guys, there are, there, there are people in our lives that we look up to that should be setting the example. And listen, there are little ones in your lives that are looking at you to set the example. Don't, don't do as I say, not as I do, because your actions prove to be far greater than than what we say. Church, listen, you're the example. The king says, listen, here's what we're going to do. Could you imagine if the king of Nineveh sat there and said, okay, we're going to proclaim a fast. All of you better fast. All your dogs and cats and cattle, all of them better not eat and drink water. While he sits there and stuffs his face with grapes and wine and food. What would people think? Wow, king. But the king heard it. I think it's a great lesson for us, guys. I think it is. We need to live that example. Listen, mommies and daddies out there and grandparents and so forth, listen to me. The world is vying and doing a very good job at getting the attention of our little ones. And what they want to see is they want to see us live a good example. Not a perfect example, but a good example. They want to see us, they want to see our talk match our walk if you say you love jesus then then be an example of loving jesus be a good example church husbands and wife be a good example daddies of showing your children that you love mommy 
be a good example why they're watching. And if you grow up in a household that they, they, you never saw mom and dad even hold hands, you're going to grow up going, I don't know. But if they see you going, man, Ma, I know one thing. I know, I know mommy loved daddy and daddy loved mommy. I know that. Let's work hard at being that example so that our kids can be a good example. Well, now listen. Listen, church. At this point, we would hope that Jonah had learned his lesson, right? Jonah, you were there, and but not so. You see, Jonah had has much more learning to do. He begins to complain about verse 10, not at verse 10, but about verse 10. And so if I was going to call this message, here's what I'm calling this message. You ready? Loving people reveals our hearts. Loving people reveals our hearts. Why? For tonight, guys, we're going to discover that Jonah, what was really in Jonah's heart. His message was not a message of love. It was a message of what? Judgment. Yet, his heart is going to review, reveal true feelings. Let's pick it up in verse 1. Notice, after all that's said and done, it says this. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. Everybody see that, verse 1? He, he goes in, Nineveh repents, and the dude is bummed out. He is just totally bummed. He's angry. And I'm, and I'm thinking, why? My biggest question is, Jonah, why? Why? See, Nineveh hears and repents based upon action. And of course, you guys know that there are two kinds of repentance. We talked about it last week, right? There's those that where we feel sorry for getting caught. What did you do? I stepped over the line. You got busted. Busted can't be trusted and you feel bad and we call that repentance. The problem is, is when the heat is off, we go back to doing what we do. That's called worldly sorrow. I'm sorry I got busted. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Your kids, sorry you got, you got caught. Oh man. But, but godly repentance, guys, is not so much feeling the consequences of getting caught, but understand that God is watching you do what you do. And you feel that. You see, godly sorrow is accompanied by the conviction of sin, the work of the Holy Spirit. And here's what it stems from. It stems from really offending a holy God. And that leads to genuine repentance. You see, Jesus... In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verse 32, actually tells us that Nineveh repented. Notice in verse 3, it says, Then the men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it. Why? For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And Jesus goes on to say, and even a greater than Jonah is here. People weren't believing him. They weren't believing him. And he's like, listen, Jonah, Nineveh's going to rise up and go, why didn't you guys believe Jesus? We heard a message of judgments and we repented and now Jesus is coming with the message of love and grace and forgiveness. And you guys are just blowing him off. Eh, I'm good. I'm good. So why is Jonah angry? Maybe for this reason, guys, Jonah still maintained a false Jewish nationalism and a hatred of all non-Jews, especially Syrians. Maybe he's like, listen, go Jew, go Israel, right? And he's thinking, you know, listen, listen, Assyrians and Nineveh, they're all Gentiles. They don't deserve to be saved. As a matter of fact, some of the doctrines was that the Gentiles were simply created to keep the fires of hell burning. 
And if you were a Gentile, well, you don't get in. Sorry for you. And maybe Jonah thought, well, listen, I don't know why they should be saved. They're Gentiles, and I hate them, and they're our enemies. And I want you to think about this. Jonah had, Jonah had judged these people not worthy to be saved. And now he was angry because God had forgiven them. Perhaps he was angry because the warning he had given them had not been carried out. Maybe he just harbored that great hate toward the people and, and he just didn't want God to save them. And I'm going, wow, wow. I, I think about Now listen, listen. I think there's some people still out there that do this, that still think like this. You know what I'm talking about? They're going, you know what? We'll watch TV, right? We'll watch something. And there'll be some evil, wicked person. We'll go, that dude doesn't deserve to be saved. I hope he gets the electric chair. I hope he gets, gets what he deserves. And in our hearts, we're doing exactly what Jonah did. Wow. We're already judging. Why? We, we, we start to judge who gets to be saved and who doesn't. A dangerous ground, church. That's not what God's called us to do. God hasn't called us to go, hey, let's see, you're in. No, 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 you're not. You're in. You're low. Well, that one definitely is not in. Woo, no way. No way. Because listen, if I have to go to heaven with that guy, I don't want to go to heaven. That's, what jo- that's, what, that's exactly what Jonah's saying, right? I wish I was dead. Notice he says, notice he says in verse 2, so we prayed to the Lord. He's mad. He prayed. And he said, ah, oh, Lord. Was this not what I said when I was still in my country? He said, therefore, I previously, I fled to previous to Tarsus, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Now let's learn from Jonah. You ready? Let's learn from Jonah. Number one, from the very beginning, Jonah had clearly understood the gracious character of God. If you're taking note, jot this down. First Timothy chapter 2, 3, and 4 says this. Paul is writing to Timothy. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. What is he saying? Guys, God's character is that he wants all men to be saved. That's a good place for an amen. amen. Number two. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Here it is. People are going, where's your Jesus? It's 2017. Thought he was coming back. No, no, no. Peter says, listen, he's because he wants to save you. It's because he's, he wants to see you repent. Hello? He wants to see you come to, that's why. And dude, if you would just get saved, maybe we could get out of here. That's what pe- people don't get it, right? Oh, I thought your Jesus was coming back. It's, it's, he says, come on, man, listen, listen. Guys, my prayer is this, you ready? My prayer is that all of us in this room would have a clear understanding of God's gracious character. We just know that he wants to save people. We just know. And he wants to save that are those wicked Ninevites that we know. He wants to save the, the, the worst person you know. He wants to save. And, he, and he's gracious towards that. 
I pray we, we get that. I pray. Number two, Jonah understood that he himself received a pardon, but he didn't want Nineveh to know God's mercy. Are, are we like that or what, man? Let us not be selfish with God's mercy. Oh, I get it, but you don't? You yourself have been saved, but others can't be saved? You yourself have been forgiven many, but other people cannot be forgiven? Guys, catch this. When it comes to salvation, you didn't deserve it. And other people don't deserve it. That's why it's grace. Guys, that's what he's... That's what we need to learn. We need to learn that God still wants to save people. God wants to use us and God wants us to love people and that, and that his mercies are new for everyone. Now, there's going to be people that reject it. There's going to be people that reject it. There are people that are going to hurt you and, and you, just, you just chalk it up and shake the dust off your feet and move on to the next one. But it's not our job to go, hey, you, you don't deserve it. You didn't know. Listen, Jonah understood mercy. He was drowning. And God saved him and gave him another chance. And now he's mad because God did the same thing. God did the same thing. Notice his prayer, guys. Notice his prayer. He said, ah, oh, Lord, I knew this is what you were all about. I knew it. Didn't I say that? And he says, now, now here's your character. You're gracious, gracious and merciful. Don't you just love that? He says, you're slow to anger. I say, amen. Amen. I, 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 I'm glad he is, right? He says, and you're abundant in loving kindness. Don't you just love that? Wow. Let that sink in, guys. Let those words sink in. Why? That's exactly who my God is for me. He's gracious. He saved me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a perfect guy like me. I was never lost, so why should I be? Wait a minute, that's not how it goes, is it? That saved a what? A wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see amazing grace. Amazing grace. You get that, right? You remember that? Do you remember when you were a wretch? Oh, pastor, I've been serving God for 30 years. You're still a wretch. Never forget where you came from, guys. Once we forget where we came from and we, were, we begin to fail to, to reach people that were there. Never forget. Well, I don't live there. But don't forget where you came. Don't forget how God reached down in the pit of the miry clay where you were sinking in sin and pulled you out. Never forget that. Why? Because there's people there now. And thank God that he pulled us out. Thank God somebody prayed for you. Thank God somebody invited you to church. Wherever you got saved, whatever crusade, whatever Christian camp you went to, thank God somebody said, hey, can you go with me? And then God saved you. Don't ever forget. Listen, God's still working. God's still working. God's still working. He wants to use us, guys. And there's people out there that are drowning in sin. And he wants us to reach down and say, listen, I'm here to help you. Just give them the cross. Give them the gospel. 
That's all we're called to do is love people through the gospel. Why? Because he's gracious and merciful, slow to anger. Verse 3, therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it's better for me to die than to live. Wow. Unfortunately, church, we use that same prayer. When we get to a really hard time in our life, and we get to a crossroads, and we get to something that things that we don't understand, there are oftentimes we say, Lord, Lord, I don't want to be here anymore. Lord, I, I, I just, I, you know, this hurts too bad. Either take me or do something, God. I just, don't, I just don't want to be here anymore. Jonah's angry because God is gracious. And he's telling the Lord, God, who saved him from dying, notice what he says. He says, Lord, therefore, because you're great and you're kind and I know you're going to save those wicked people and they're my enemies and I hate them and they smell and uh, they killed a lot of my relatives and my friends and my ancestors and prophets and they just, they've just brought judgment. Listen, because you did that, Lord, it's better for, just listen, I'm just, take my life from me for it's better for me to die than to live. Really, Jonah? What are you, who, who are you really angry at, Jonah? Who are you really angry? I think, church, listen, the repentance and the salvation, at least in the sense that God's not going to destroy them, you guys tracking with me, of the people of Nineveh is so painful to Jonah that he'd rather die than to sit and think about it. He's just like, "Mm -mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. He also states that the reason that he fled the call in the first place was not out of fear. He says, I wasn't afraid of the Ninevites or that he would be ineffective. You know why he feared? Because that he would be effective. A different mindset that Jonah has. You would think, guys, that, that he would have learned his lesson in the great fish, right? You would think. But he didn't. Because see, if Jonah could could not have his way, he's saying, I would rather, I'd rather die. I'd rather die. Let's close with this, guys, and we're going to partake in communion tonight. I, I, I want to close with us learning the lessons that God has for us. Wanna wanna really grasp that, okay? We're commanded, we're called by God, however you want to, guys, is to really love people. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, first of all, love God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, <sighs> with every breath, with every blink. Love God. And that's what we should work on. Not that it's a work, but that's that's what we should do. We're gonna love God. What does that mean? That means spending time with Him. That means singing to him. That means reading his word. That means listening to him. We're going to love God. Can I get an amen? amen? And because we're going to love God, he wants us to love people. Now, he's going to put certain people in our place that we are going to have to love. 
And some of them in your job and some of them in your school and some of them, wherever you are, they need to be loved to life because they don't know Jesus. They don't know Jesus yet. Everybody say yet. Because God wants to do something, right? Yet. And the second thing he calls us to do is to what? Is to love people. To love people back to life. God wants to do incredible things with people. He wants to do incredible things with you. But you've got to just, you've got to give him reins. You've got to give him the keys. Lord, you drive. I'm ready. Let's do this. God, open the doors for me. Where, where do you want me to preach? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to, how do you want me to help? Some of you guys are the engine. Let's go. Let's go. Let's fire in all systems. Other you are the tires. This is a, some of you are the, are, are, are the trunk and you're behind and you're pushing, but it doesn't matter. We all get to the same goal. What is that goal? To see people saved and come into a disciple and a good relationship with Jesus Christ. So that when they take their final breath on earth, they're just going to be in heaven. That's, that's the goal. That's the goal. So we're called to love God. We're called to love people. Here's what we need to make sure. Here's the lesson. You ready? Make sure that our hearts line up with what God wants. Make sure your hearts are right. You go, well, how so? Ask yourself this question. How do I feel about people being saved? How do I really feel about people being saved? You go, pastor, I'm all in. Bring them. Let's save them. How do you save about your enemies getting saved? Well, of course we all want our enemies saved, right? But, but do you really? See, there's a part of us that goes, no, I doubt. Because I deserve just a little bit better. And No, ask yourself that question. What about this? What about when you begin to love people and they hurt you? Because that really reveals your heart, doesn't it? This is deep. Because I got to be honest with you, church. When when people hurt me, I, I tend to put I tend to put barriers in my heart because I don't want to be hurt. I especially don't want to be hurt when I'm trying to help you. And I know what it feels like to be betrayed. You give your life to somebody, you, 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 you lay down your life for them as the shepherd should, and they turn around and, and they hurt you, and now you go, oh, okay, that's it. I don't want to feel this hurt anymore. But I think if we, would, if we would put on the right lenses, they're not running from you or they're not really trying to hurt you. Because here's why. You ready? Jot this down. Because hurting people hurt people. Hurting people hurt people. And, and you get to go, oh, wow. I see. I see. Okay. Guys, as we move to communion, 
Let us take a moment to reflect where we are on the calendar. Our Lord and our Savior, guys, is about to walk and enter Jerusalem. And the crowd's going to sing, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord. And yet he knows within a few short days that he's going to be hanging on the cross for our sins. And we come to the communion table tonight with this attitude. With this attitude, guys. Because he tells us this. He says, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. What are you remembering? That you're going to remember our Lord and Savior carrying a cross out the Damascus Gate down to Calvary, Golgotha. And you're going to remember that he's going to be nailed to the cross. And he's going to die there for our sins. God the Father is going to turn his head. He's going to be laid in a tomb. And three days later, he's going to be resurrected. And he tells us, 40 days later, he says, I'm going to go prepare a place for you because I want you with me. So although we come to the communion table tonight, guys, with heavy hearts at times, we walk this world, we say, God, please forgive me. Because some of us feel like Judas, I've betrayed you, God, in my thoughts and my attitude and my actions. Other of us feel like Jonah, where we feel like, man, I've been hurt. I just don't want to love people. But see, he says, now's the time to just say, ask God to forgive you and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm going to follow you. I know. I want to be in good company. And you say, okay, Lord, I got this. And then you can come to the communion table with a pure, with rejoicing and remembering God. It's not, it's not my show. It's his show. It's his show. And I can rest in that. As Josh leads us in worship, guys, prepare your hearts. Prepare your hearts. If there's anything in your heart, just, just confess it. Lord, I'm so sorry. I've been a jerk this week to my wife. I've been a jerk to my husband. I've been a jerk to my... Whatever it is, confess it. Please forgive me. And then come and know and doing this, that one day, guys, you're going to see him face to face. This is for the believer. This is for those that go, ah, I'm ready to see Jesus. I love him. I love him. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. And we thank you, God, for communion. And we thank you, God, that we can open up our hearts and we can just confess these things. And Lord, as we worship you, you love us. And you give us this. And we want to honor you tonight by taking this and remembering the death, burial, and resurrection of our God and Savior. And we put our full trust in that for our salvation. We ask this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone 
at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.